the best and the worst presidential communicators, and why. February is Black History Month, and it's a month where we celebrate some presidential birthdays. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Ronald Reagan, along with William Henry Harrison, were all born in February. Two of those presidents make my list of the best presidential communicators. And here is my list. They are Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, Franklin Roosevelt, and of course, Barack Obama. These men use words to unite us, to make us feel special and strong. Special as a person, strong as a nation. There are great communication lessons we can learn from each of these men. Even though most of us were alive when Abraham Lincoln delivered the Gettysburg Address, we all know the power of his words. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Now Lincoln's Gettysburg Address is only 272 words, but each word is perfect and powerful. One key lesson we learned from this, you don't have to write pages and pages to deliver a great speech, to tell a great story, or to communicate well. All you have to do is speak from the heart. Now, we don't have tape on Lincoln, but we do have digital recordings of the other great presidential communicators that are on my list. Since I love video so much, we can transition into the golden age of television, the 1960s. September 26th, 1960, to be exact. The Nixon-Kennedy debate. 17 million Americans who live over 65 on an average Social Security check of about $78 a month, they're not able to sustain themselves individually, but they can sustain themselves through the Social Security system. I don't believe in big government, but I believe in effective governmental action. And I think that's the only way that the United States is going to maintain its freedom. It's the only way that we're going to move ahead. I think we can do a better job. I think we're going to have to do a better job if we are going to meet the responsibilities which time and events have placed upon us. I costed out the cost of the Democratic platform. It runs a minimum of 13 and two pence billion dollars a year more than we are presently spending to a maximum of 18 billion dollars a year more than we're presently spending. Now the Republican platform will cost more too. It will cost a minimum of four billion dollars a year more, a maximum of four and nine tenths billion dollars a year more than we're presently spending. Wow, what a debate. I watched it with my mom, Fresno, California, on our 12 inch black and white television set in the den of our tracked home on Oslin Avenue. He's so handsome, I said about Kennedy. I was eight years old. He cares about workers and civil rights, my mom said. I had no idea what she was talking about. What's with Nixon's nose, I asked. It looks kind of like a deformed pickle, she said. And that stuck. Nixon was always pickle nose to my mom. Now, at the time, political pundits said that Nixon 
would have won the presidential debates with John Kennedy. But there was one problem for Nixon, a 16-inch problem. That was the size of the average television screen in the 1960s. Nixon sweated. Nixon was shifty-eyed. Nixon sweated some more. The camera never blinked. There was no filter. We didn't have to depend on print reporters to write what they heard or saw. We saw it for ourselves. Nixon lost. The debate? The election. That one, anyway. This post is not really just about politics or political parties. It's about connecting. It's about communication. It's about a speaker's ability to connect with the audience, even if it's just an audience of one. One One-on-one. We all need to do it more. To be fair, Kennedy was born to be on television, and Nixon was not. The camera loved Kennedy. So did my mom. And so did an eight-year-old girl in Fresno, California, who fell in love with politics and television. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. Again, the list is Abraham Lincoln, John Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, FDR, Barack Obama, and now Joe Biden. Why? I will tell you why these seven are great communicators and in turn, great leaders, even though Biden has just, well, recently taken the oath of office. These men take care with their words. They don't use words to hurt or injure, or to try to destroy with hate. Now, I've talked about Lincoln and Kennedy. Now, Roosevelt, FDR, he used the radio to deliver his messages. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was famous for his fireside chats that were delivered on the radio. Those chats, his speeches, his communications, helped bring the country together during our darkest times. They helped us through the Depression and through World War II. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked 
by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. That is the power of communication. It is what we need and what we should expect from our leaders and each other. We need to try to connect, to convey our messages to each other. And as far as I'm concerned, our politicians, our bosses at work, leaders don't really have to do anything else. Just talk to us, tell us the truth, fill us in, share with us. It's what I call leadership moments. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph. So help us God. Now, although he was not our president, I want to mention a man who is an example that proves my point here. And I believe he may be the greatest orator I've ever listened to, Sir Winston Churchill. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Churchill, of course, went one-on-one with Hitler, using words, not bullets, to defeat Nazism. Something Churchill did, and it's what I recommend for all communicators or people who hope to communicate well, and that is to practice. He would write a phrase and practice it out loud. Churchill would say something, and then he'd say it again and again and again until he was sure it sounded compelling and interesting and right. He worked until it sounded like him. And that's what makes him great. Ronald Reagan was the great communicator, and he deserved that title. He wasn't a great actor, but boy, he knew how to deliver a line and a good speech. He certainly didn't write his speeches or even all of his great one-liners. He most certainly was responsible, however, for what he said after he was shot by John Hinckley Jr. When he arrived at Washington Hospital Center, he said, Tell Nancy I forgot to duck. No matter how you felt about his politics, you had to love him and admire him for that. During the first Reagan-Mondale presidential debates, Reagan lost his train of thought. He stumbled on a question. Then, in his next debate, he was asked the age question. Was he too old to be president? Here's how he responded. Mr. Truitt, your question to President Reagan. Mr. President, I want to raise an issue that I think has been lurking out there for two or three weeks and cast it specifically in national security terms. You already are the oldest president in history, and some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind 
that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truitt, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> covered him when I was a young reporter and he was governor of California and I covered him when he was president and I was a young Washington correspondent. I personally met him just once. It was at a White House Christmas party for the Washington Press Corps. We waited in line and when it was my turn I was introduced and I said, "Good job on the Washington summit, Mr. President." Ronald Reagan beamed. His eyes twinkled. He held my hand for longer than a minute, and he said, well, since you brought that up, what are your thoughts about a united Germany in NATO? Wow. I repeated the question. I was tongue-tied. I was dumbfounded. I was stalling for time. Oh, shit, I thought, what am I going to say? Yes, let Germany into NATO, but only if they, quote, tear down the wall, unquote, he had yet to utter that line, that very famous line. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Well then, First Lady Nancy Reagan saved me. She ushered me away so she could get a picture with my ex-husband. <laughs> I never got a photo with her. She really wasn't interested in taking a picture with me. But my ex has a nice one with her. My one encounter with Ronald Reagan was magical. We were the only two people on earth, and that is a great communicator. Clinton could do the same thing, and he too is really mesmerizing, but, but not like Reagan. Now, I covered Clinton for years, and I never, ever tired of listening to him. He had a way with words and a fabulous way of delivering his messages. He, like Reagan, talks directly to you. And it's never about him. It's always about us. His way of communicating makes the listener feel special. Not change for change's sake, but change to preserve America's ideals. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. In that speech, Clinton is doing what Dr. Martin Luther King did so well. Clinton is repeating one phrase over and over again. He's asking a question and then answering that question. It's really fascinating and it keeps us listening. I covered Clinton when I lived in Washington and I covered him when I was a reporter at ABC in Sacramento, California. 
And once my station sent me to San Francisco when Clinton delivered a financial speech at a savings and loan convention. Boring, right? Wrong. Clinton was mesmerizing. I was enthralled. It was a great speech. Why? He is himself when he speaks. He really communicates with you. He cares about the content he is delivering. And that's a lesson for all of us. Do what you love. Talk about what you love. Talk about what you know and what you care about. I could do a whole podcast on Barack Obama. What a man. What a great speaker. He gave a nomination speech at the Democratic Convention in 2004. It was so powerful, it thrust him into the national spotlight. I owe a debt to all of those who came before me, and that in no other country on earth is my story even possible. That speech was one of the reasons I believe he became president. In that speech, he said, there's not a liberal America and a conservative America. There's the United States of America. As president, President Barack Obama was thwarted again and again by Republican haters in Congress, people who don't know how to govern. They don't know how to compromise. But that didn't stop him from working to bring not only Americans, but people in all countries together and to help us bridge our differences. The absolute worst and why. Giving a great speech didn't come naturally to Adolf Hitler. He worked at speaking aloud. He studied himself in the mirror and he practiced. And now we're segueing into the worst of the worst. Adolf Hitler. I know I was just going to talk about presidents, but I want to throw this out. I'm calling Hitler the worst of the worst political communicators for one reason. Hitler is evil. He is an evil mass murderer. He used his power of speech to do evil, and therefore he is the worst liar of all time. I mention Hitler because there were tricks he used to become a better speaker. Here's one. And you can find this example in many documentaries on Hitler. He stands before a massive crowd of Nazis and Nazi lovers. And he doesn't speak for a long, long, long time. He waits for the crowd to hush. It does. Then he begins, quietly at first. Then slowly but surely, he begins his crescendo. And he ends up screaming hate-filled lies and rhetoric. And so this brings us to Donald Trump. Like Adolf, he thinks he's a great speaker, a great communicator. He really sucks. I never understood wind, and I know windmills very much. I've studied it better than anybody. I know it's very expensive. They're made in China and Germany, mostly. Very few made here, almost none. But they're manufactured tremendous, if you're into this, tremendous fumes, gases, are spewing into the atmosphere. You know, we have a world, right? So the world is tiny compared to the universe. 
So tremendous, tremendous amount of fumes and everything. You talk, you talk about the carbon footprint. Trump believes he connects with people, and he does with his followers. You know who else connected with people? Jim Jones, Charles Manson, Adolf Hitler. They were dangerous and wrong. They used communication to hurt and kill. Just as nicely with his followers at Jonestown. And then they drank Kool-Aid and most of them died. Charles Manson convinced his followers to murder innocent people. And we've already discussed Adolf Hitler. My point is, and the lesson here, is that great communicators really don't have to lie. And anybody with access to Google and a brain can fact check lies. Don't just believe what you hear on social media. Check the facts. I am so happy. The Trump reign is over. And finally, Joe Biden. Here's a clip. My colleagues in the Senate used to always kid me for quoting Irish poets. They thought I did it because I'm Irish. I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because they're the best poets in the world. And James Joyce, James Joyce was said to have told a friend that when, it's come, when it comes his time to pass, when he dies, he said, Dublin, Dublin will be written on my heart. Well, excuse the emotion, but when I die, Delaware be written on my heart. In the hearts, hearts of all, all of us, all the Bidens. We love you all. We, you've been there for us in the good and the bad. You never walked away. And uh, I am proud, 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 proud to be a son of Delaware. And I am even more proud to be standing here doing this from the major Bo Biden facility. Ladies and gentlemen, I only have one regret. He's not here because he sh we should be introducing him as president. It's the beginning of a new presidency in America, a new era. We now have a president with a big heart who's going to help us heal and a woman vice president, a woman of color. And I'm so proud and happy to be alive. And why is Biden on my list of great presidential communicators? First of all, he speaks from the heart. Joe Biden is kind and smart. and He's a hard worker. He is a unifier. And he talks to us. He has communicated more in the first month or so of his presidency than Trump did in five years on the national stage. It's refreshing, and it gives me hope. And I have hope. And Gloria Moraga, this is one-on-one. -on -one. Talk to each other, be kind, and be safe. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Better times are coming. And just as a personal note, I got my first 
COVID vaccination shot today. It was quite a thing. <laughs> there are just so many healthcare workers working at the place where I get my healthcare and they just have it down, boy. You come in, they take your temperature, they ask you if you have any of the signs of being positive for COVID. And then they have, you go to another place and there's a woman there who checks you in and then you waited another line to get, get to get your shot. And um, it's mostly uh, the elderly and seniors and I'm, I'm older, so I was on the list. I'm over, uh, over in age. And um, I got a great nurse and everybody that I met, I thanked. And it was a great, great time and a great moment. And I'm so happy that I got the first shot and I'm getting the next one, which I hear is has a little bit more side effects than the first. But I'm hanging in here. I hope you all hang in there. And I hope you liked my reasons for liking these presidents and the way they communicate. And communication is everything. Love you all. Thank you.